As a business owner of an aquaculture company, how can you take the first step to be profitable and sustainable at the same time? That's what we're going to be talking about in these episodes. Hello, and welcome to the Business of Aquaculture podcast. This is the podcast for the sustainable business movement in the aqua farming and ocean ranching industries. This podcast aims to amplify the voices of entrepreneurs addressing the United Nations Global Goals, aka Sustainable Development Goals, number 14, to conserve and sustainably use the oceans and the seas. Listen in to fellow business aquaculturists in their journey in this new model of food production of making their business sustainable and help the ocean's ecology while also making a profit all at the same time. Get inspired to learn how even small to medium businesses can make an impact to save the seas, leave a legacy, and have a better quality of life. One of our goals is you take away a nugget of wisdom that will help your business move from the industrial revolution to business 5.0. Our vision is that of collaboration in the aquaculture industry. I'm Lourdes Gant, your host. As an aquaculture business, how do you create sustainability as one of your brand specialties in the aquaculture industry? This is one of the topics we'll be discussing today. So listen in and I hope you enjoy this episode. This episode, I'm grateful to have Jason Hackathorn of ForeverOceans.com. Welcome to the show, Jason. Thanks for having me, Loris. He's not only the founder, but also has the role of Chief Sustainability Officer. He founded the Mobile Fish Pens line of business at Lockheed Martin by adopting defense technologies to sustainable fish farming. He then led its spin out to create the Forever Oceans Corporation. Jason holds three Ivy League degrees, has been an advisor to the Kaust Entrepreneurship Program, as well as Ocean X Labs, and has been a speaker at the Global Forum for Innovations in Agriculture. He spends his personal time leading conservation trips and doing nonprofit work through his church. Welcome again, Jason. Hey, excited to talk about aquaculture and sustainability. Well, let's get going with it. So tell us how is Forever Oceans different from other aquaculture organizations? That's a great question. I mean, we set out really to re-envision aquaculture to find a better way to meet the world's protein need. And when we look at how we've implemented that, there's really four primary things. One is automation that allows us to decouple how we operate from human labor and, and traditional environments and also gives us efficiencies kind of like you would get in precision ag, you know, as precision aquaculture. Secondly, I, w- I would say our scalability and survivability of building systems that can survive Cat 4 hurricanes. You know, also really important in going into the parts of the ocean that I think from a sustainability standpoint, we really want to be operating in as an industry. And as we do that, we've developed you know some key technologies that when we look at the way we deploy that, I would say it's a third major piece of operating in, in the warm waters of the world where calories are spent more efficiently. And as we do that, having technologies like our mooring system that we can operate in deep waters with cages that move around. And then I would say the last piece really is less scientific and more business and consumer oriented, but building a a trusted brand is really important for making the product relevant, you know, the, the educational piece that comes with a great food and changing how people think about nature also key for us. And so I would say those are some of the 
key differentiators in how we've looked at aquaculture and implemented it. I really love when you mentioned about less scientific and then more like a trusted brand. I think in this day and age, if someone is not a trusted brand that basically reflects on their bottom line and where sustainability comes in is people in this industry should be able to know how when they say it's sustainable, it has that credibility. That's a great point. This is not a fast industry. <laughs> this is an industry that is built in decades. Like the you know reputation and trustedness is so important. Which leads me to my next question. Maybe you can share with us your five pillars of sustainability. So when we look at sustainability, we do look at it holistically. I know historically there have been many different views of even you know containing it to environmentalism, which we think is a is a key factor. But when we broaden it out and say, well, what do you really need to think about in order to build a business that can continue to operate in in perpetuity? We look at the environment. We look at the social aspects. We look at the governance. And those first three kind of comprise your traditional ESG, You know, if you're talking about an investor community or business community. But then we also add the, the economic and the worldview as pillars four and five. And that's an acknowledgement that healthy business systems should be producing more than they're consuming. You know, an economic system, we should be creating jobs and again, producing more than we consume. And also, you know, last with worldview, acknowledging that not everyone in the world thinks about things the same way. There's different traditions, customs, beliefs. And it's important to us as we align with communities and, and people that we understand that and that we're respectful of that and building ways to operate together. I love what you mentioned about producing more than consuming, but also the fact that having this worldview, maybe one of the other questions that came up for me for that would be, how do you explain to people still who has this notion that wild is still better than cultured products? Oh, I think the best way is just having them eat one of our fish next to a wild counterpart side by side. But if we can't do that, I think looking at where the idea of, of wild fish being superior comes from in the, in the history of our industry and understanding and dignifying the, the grounding of where that's come from, but then looking at, at the realities today of how a fish is produced and when it's cultured in the right way, how much healthier that fish grows, how much quicker that fish grows. And when you consume it, that has positive aspects of not having trace metals, for instance, that that percolate up through the food chain, but it also has the advantages health-wise of more omega-3s. And, you know, again, showing that when we do it correctly, you just get a better, healthier product, whether that's the measurable aspects of the nutrients or you know, we've had our, our fish in taste and flavor competitions now, whether it's you know, experienced chefs looking at how delicious it is, how forgiving it is to cook. It, you know, we have come a long way in the industry. And I think we have to do a better job of educating consumers on what that means for the products and how they can benefit from it so that they take advantage of it. I think the magic words from all those sustainments that you mentioned is how it's produced. I always believe that, you know, and I had been a big fan of a TV show recently talking about how 
electricity was first founded in New York before where nobody thought that it was possible. And so I think with the word aquaculture, it has now gotten to a point where in people has to find out, like what you said, how it's produced, because that's a key important element of whether they find whether it's sustainable or not, whether it's, it's not mostly whether it's wild or whether it's culture, it's how it's handled. That's a great point. Not not all aquaculture is, is created equal, just like going fishing in a lake is not going fishing in the ocean. I think it, on one level, you know, we fundamentally understand that. But when it comes to you know, details of communicating in our industry, I think we need to do a better job of explaining what is and is not sustainable and what the benefits are. Well, we're on the same page there. So my last question to you is, how do you move from the Fortune 500 company to where Forever Oceans is right now and what's next? That's a great question. I mean, it's been a long and fulfilling road that, you know, when I got into this, it was rooted in the same things it was today in in terms of global food security and an ambition to produce protein for the world more efficiently. But it was inside of a, a Fortune 100 company, right? And with that comes a lot of support systems, many advantages. But of course, every type of system has advantages and disadvantages. And when we had the request to spin out and create a separate entity now forever oceans you know that came with a lot of agility that we gained but as a spin out you know, slash startup you don't have all those support systems right and so there are the years of of rebuilding and i you know fondly remember the years of you know just having a couple employees at a hawaii research site building robots and i'm so proud of the team that we've built now that you know, we still have Hawaii research site that's come a long way and a, a front office in Virginia, but now we've got commercial operations in Panama and Indonesia and in Brazil and commercial scale production going on in, in Panama with a branded product coming to market. And so, you know, as we've gone through that experience, we've had to rebuild, you know, a lot of those support systems, you know, accounting departments, you know, marketing brands. And while it's hard, it's allowed us to become what we needed to be. You know, there was a reason for the spin out that we are a company focused on creating the best, most efficient, most delicious protein. And we can now build each part of our organization really finely tuned to do that. And it's been a great pleasure to have some phenomenal investment partners. Obviously, raising capital is a big part of going through that growth process. That's the fuel for a business. And I expect that will continue. We're anticipating doing a Series D later this year. And as as we continue to grow and and hit our milestones, the future looks bright. We think as we come full circle back to being a large multinational, that we can bring a lot of specific value to our industry and being a leader, bringing a great product with the sustainability message, but also bringing better practices to the industry, you know, having friendly competition that raises the bar across the board that, you know, giant goals, it really does take a tribe, right? And we, you know, aspire towards continuing to build that and see the whole industry transform. So it really has been a a privilege to be on this journey. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. My favorite words that you mentioned was about just 
creating better messaging. And also it takes a village. This industry really do takes a village to be able to grow to its next level. My biggest takeaway from our conversation today was when you were talking about the trusted brand that really kind of honed in on me and landed how it's very important when we talk about sustainability to walk our talk. So being trusted. And I love the way that you even called your company Forever Oceans. There's that infinity there that really give people the message that we're here for the long term, not just for a short term. Well, thank you so much, Jason. I really appreciate your time. I know you're such a busy guy. So how can they get in touch with you? We'd love to have folks reach out through our website and provide any feedback, collaboration opportunities. We'd love to be in touch with folks on a similar path. Sounds good. Well, that's foreveroceans.com for you. To our subscribers, do leave a review of the podcast so we can get more people to be aware of the value our guests are providing in these conversations. If you're new to the podcast, I'd like to hear from you. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Jason. We really appreciate you. Take care. Thank you for listening, and I hope you are inspired from this episode. Do take a moment and share this with your friends and colleagues and rate and review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'd love to know what your biggest takeaway from this conversation has been. What are you going to do differently? Please share your thoughts across social media and tag us. For links and show notes for this episode, visit our website, www.sustainableaquaculture.ca slash podcast. Thank you again. I hope you will join me on the next episode and together we can help create a better business in aquaculture.